is it? We're doing it. Yeah. Hey. It's happening. <laughs> I feel like every week it's like this like slow roll into it where it's like we're just affirming that we're here. We're like, we're here. We are It's here. happening. And you we're know doing what, Hannah, it. You've got a spring in your step and your voice has joy. And the pep. And Yeah. yeah. You have some pep. Yeah. I, this is, is this the first podcast where we haven't talked about how tired we are? Stop! God, why? <laughs> like, we had a firm discussion before we started recording that we weren't going to talk about how tired we are because... I'm not talking about how tired we are. just I'm, talked about I'm talking also, about how tired we were. No. Also, no. It's, this is one of those things too where it's like, I actually hate it when we were like, oh my god, I'm so busy. You're like, oh my god, I'm so tired. And it's like, this is just a filler. This is just... Sorry, clap warning. This is just a filler of conversation. Like, you're not actually saying anything. Oh, it's kind of like looking into the camera when you're acting or something and you're like address how tired you are. <laughs> no it's like it's it's the equivalent of someone being like hey how are you and you're like good good I even though good. you're like i'm dying inside no, I like good. are you I always feel, yeah i yeah. feel great that's great how do you feel i feel awesome <laughs> good great good great <laughs> i actually feel really good because i just re-downloaded my favorite app this is not sponsored i oh, wish it was no i wish it was sponsored you mean your doom and gloom app <laughs> my death app oh yeah, yeah the one that's like Hello, you're going to die someday. <laughs> Look, this is my favorite thing that I have ever discovered on the internet. It's an app. It's called We Croak. And basically, this sounds like a plug. It sounds like they sent me copy to, like, say here. Yeah. It's not. I just love this. And um, it basically will text you randomly five times a day. And it just says, like, don't forget, you're going to die. And I really like it because, and the reason I think I've got so much pep in my stuff is because I just got one of those texts before we start recording. Oh. And it makes me so grateful just to have you in my life and to, like, be healthy and alive and doing this podcast. Justin is shaking his well, head. Well, honestly, honey, it creeps me out. It's like, <laughs> it's like. Ding, you're dead. Your whole family's dead, and you're coming for you, pal. <laughs> I mean, that would actually be awesome if they could throw in some, oh, like, mafia God. flavor. Uh -huh. I would be yeah. into that. Although, actually, I think I think that would make me feel less gratitude and more just, like, fear. Yeah. So this week we read Invincible. Oh, is that the adaptation of the 2006 Mark Wahlberg movie? The true story of Vince Papel? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Just not? Didn't know that was the thing. <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, it's about some guy who, like, he's like a rookie for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not a good film. Oh, I vaguely remember this. Yeah. But I think it could just be, like, an amalgamation of a lot of different sports ball movies. Mm, yes, sports ball. Yeah, so Invincible is basically about um, this teenager, his name is Mark Grayson, he is the son of the most powerful superhero in the world. Omni-Man! <laughs> yes, that guy. Um, He's like a silver fox, like, he looks... Ooh, you thought he was hot? Yeah, he looks like a more, like, buffed out, like, Tony Stark, but with some, like, gray on the sides, I was into it. And he's got that caterpillar mustache, too. I, I was you know, I'm here for it, I'm here for it, it's fine. And, um, basically it starts off where it's, like, he's kind of an average, um, sort of Joe Schmo, like, Mark typical... is the kid. Yeah, sorry to specify. He's, like, a teenager, he's just doing teenage things, um, working part-time jobs, going to school, being teens, being the youths. And um, once he hits puberty, he basically comes into his own superpowers. He inherits a lot of his dad's superpowers, which sort of like run the gamut from like he can fly, um, he can deflect bullets, he's super fast. Like yeah, his dad is a basically an homage to Superman. He 
he's super speed flight, flies all over the world, saving people, fighting monsters, going interdimensional stuff, outer space, all sorts of crap. Right. As the comic sort of continues on, Mark, our protagonist, the son, he ends up getting in with this group of, like, teen crime fighters. The teen teen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they have, like, this, like, side plot where it's, like, one of their teachers is, like, trying to, like, bomb the school. But it's, like, it's... It's, it's actually deeper than that. I feel because like it's a, the, oh. the teacher is... His son was bullied to the point of committing suicide, so he's sort of exacting his revenge on all the shitty kids that are in his class. Did you get any World's Greatest Dad vibes from that? Oh, man. That is a great movie. No, And it's I'm not, not even going to go into it And maybe that's why I hated this so much. The only thing Robin Williams ever did that was worth a damn you was World's Greatest Dad. Filthy it's mouth. an amazing movie. You shut Everyone your mouth, should go watch it. You shut your mouth and you get the this house <laughs> like, <laughs> get out of my own living room that's right i said it my living room how dare you slander the name of robin williams on that trash heap of a movie i feel like you know what we're not getting into this like anyway we're moving on we'll come back to this because you're so wrong it hurts me inside as far as i'm concerned the teacher with the bomb is a side plot it has like little to no relevance to the overall plot the overall plot is essentially, like, Mark coming into his superpowers and figuring out what that means, and then also, like... Meeting other people by, like himself. Other, yeah, meeting other superheroes and sort of, like, figuring out, um, you know, like, what his role is going to be as a superhero. And I thought that it was really interesting, too, because he's always known that he's going to be a superhero. Like, his dad, there's a scene in the comic where, like, at a very young age, his dad is like, hey, here's the story of, like, how I came to Earth. Um, my people are a peaceful race of explorers. Right. We've come to Earth because Earth has potential to join this intergalactic union. I'm basically here to safeguard it from threats. He falls in love with a woman. They have a kid named Mark. And yes. Yeah. And so it's kind of about like their, their I mean, it's not totally about it, but like their family dynamics do sort of play a part in this where it's sort of like the idea that his dad is fighting crime and now he's like helping him because his superpowers have sort of come to fruition or not come to fruition it's, but sort of it's interesting because like you know you've got the family dinner where like the dad zips in at super speed and they're like oh you're here you know you're only five minutes late kind right of yeah and maybe he has to zip off to go fight some dragon somewhere or something and then now mark as he's developing his powers is also kind of zipping in and out and he's staying up late mm -hmm. and you know there's all sorts of there's it's also a, a girl that he's now met, like Eve. She's part of the, what are they called? The teen The teen team. Um, it's not as corny as it sounds. No, it's exactly it's, as corny as it sounds. Because he's sort of tongue-in-cheek with this name. Is they're all, like, not really dorks. They're, I don't know. They're kind of cool. There's a It's a, a play on all these different superhero archetypes. You know, you've got your teen titans or your, you know, yeah. young justice or whatever. And this is the equivalent. You've got Adam Eve, you've got Robot, mm -hmm. you've got Rexplode, Duplicate. Yeah. You've got all these kind of like, I don't know, I think they're kind of cool. Because like, you know who these kids are supposed to be. Right. But also they're original, they've got kind of funny tongue-in-cheek names. I like it. I thought it was... Which brings us now to our ratings. What would you rate this? Oh, I give it an A+. Plus. I love Invincible. Take a drink for those of you at home playing the Comic Bay, the Comic Bay drinking game. Where you're like, I love it. I'm like, I hate I it. I love this book. <laughs> I hate it so much. It's just like, so like amazing. Um, like. <laughs> oh, man. That's three more drinks, by the way. So. <laughs> I hated it. I like, 
hate it. Of course you did. Are you shocked? Because it was full of joy. It was Uh, optimistic. It was well-drawn, written well. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going there. You're going to stand by all of this? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're an edgelord, Hannah. You are are a sweaty neckbeard trapped inside... an attractive <laughs> woman you are you just want to sit at home and you want to be like i want to feel bad about the world oh and i want to take this vitriol that's deep in my heart and spew it out onto others this is no, no. yes no yes this is a poorly written like really substandard one-dimensional comic this has zero substance wrong I will, okay. F minus. You give it an F, F wow. double minus. Okay. No, I actually, this is not, I'm, no, I think I still hate, no, ooh, I actually don't know if I hate this or Scrooge more. Really? Yeah. Le- okay, if you could quickly lay out your case for why it's bad. Yeah, I thought it was super one-dimensional. I thought that it moved way too quickly. Like, I feel like he comes into his superpowers and then immediately he's just kind of like, oh, cool, that's great. And it's like, I do like that, yes, he's kind of always known that he's going to have superpowers, but I sort of wish that he had, like, been, there had been more of an exploratory phase and, like, a discovery phase. It just felt like the comp, the volume was, like, too short for there to be, like, a ton of character development. So it's kind of like he gets the powers and then he's like, oh, my gosh, like, I have the powers. Like, oh, cool. And then he just, like, starts fighting crime. And it's like, I wish that there was more development around like, oh my gosh, like, okay, well, what do these powers mean now? And also, like, his dad, they sort of set up the, in the very beginning of the comic, the dad is, like, on TV, you know, and the mo- he, he asks his mom, he's like, hey, have you heard from dad? And she's like, oh, no. And he's like, do you know where he is? And then, like, the TV announcer is like, Omni-Man, last seen in Taiwan, like, fighting this dragon. And she's like, oh, well, I guess he's in Taiwan. And it's just like, I wish that it's like they could have commented on the fact that it's like, okay, like, you know, he sees his dad's lifestyle and it's sort of implied that he's like never really home and that he's kind of zipping in, zipping out. And it's like, I just wish that he had kind of like struggled with the idea of being like, oh, I guess now, you know, it's like, it's cool that I have these powers, but like being a superhero, like, is does that mean I'm going to be as absent as my dad? Like what, you know, it's like something like that, but it's like they just moved straight on. So it's like it moved way too fast. It doesn't really give you time to really care about the characters. Um, a lot of the people, a lot of the characters in this, like the teen team and his mom, they're like very one dimensional. And like, again, I just want to like, before we get deeper into this podcast, I do want to say like one of the things and we talked about this before that is kind of difficult with doing a podcast like this is that we tend to read the first volume of a series and I feel like we it doesn't really give you that much of an overview into like the actual characters or like their motivations or it just is like it's almost like a teaser and then it's like later you know it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like you get a ton but it's like in this first volume, which was how many issues? I think like six. Seven. So it's seven issues. It's like nothing really happens. Like that's we, seven months, by the way, real time. If yeah, you're waiting issue to issue. That's the thing. It's like it's seven months of like nothing. Not a ton happens in this volume. It's like he defeats this bad guy school teacher. Um, he joins up with the teen team. A lot of it feels like very foundational, like they're trying to establish these characters and these relationships. But at the same time, it's like, even in establishing these characters and the relationships, there's like not that much there. It's just kind of like, why should I care? I just don't care about this. Uh, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna disagree with you 
this is a book with a lot of depth and i guess the beginning of this book is slower than i thought it was than i remember it being i read this book around 2005 2006 and i loved it from the get-go um i think i had already read walking dead by the same writer robert kirkman so i checked this out and i was in love and i i mean i owned up to 18 volumes of this book before i eventually sort of petered out and i'm actually like i'm a little sad you didn't like it more because i do think it has a lot of it addresses a lot of the complaints that you have about mainstream superhero comic books Mm -hmm. where yeah not a lot of things happen in this book but it is a book about family it's a book about it's a soap opera in a sense it's a long-running soap opera the writer robert kirkman has said like you know how many times can spider-man fight dr octopus four thousand where we always know the outcome is going to be spider-man wins before it kind of rings a little hollow yeah this series ran for 14 years about 144 issues and there isn't really there's a lot of recurring characters and there are long arcs with villains but there's not a lot of like oh it's you know, Dr. Mania, once again, Mm -hmm. from the dead, he's back, you thought he was gone. It's like, this is a book where characters fall in love, break up, reunite, get married, have kids. There's all these sorts of different dynamics. Like, he actually has some siblings, like, later on in this series. He has, by the end of this series, he has his own kids. He's got his own family. And, you know, you see him, like, the partnerships that he sort of meets here, like those carry on into the future. And like some people die, some people are injured, some people retire. There is a lot of depth in this. Like even this is going to be a major spoiler, major spoiler, but I can't, I can't not address it. So his dad is essentially Superman, the perfect hero, Right. right? And Mark has grown up looking up to him his whole life. His dad is flying around with him on patrol, mm-hmm. taking him out, showing him what it is to be a hero. His dad is later revealed to be, well, not 100% evil. Yeah. He was not honest with Mark in the beginning. He is actually not here to save the Earth and welcome them into the intergalactic peaceful federation of planets. He's actually here to conquer the planet. Mm-hmm. And um, because he's got these powers, he really only needs one of him to do it this alien race lives for like thousands of years and so he's kind of playing this slow game basically just wheedling you know like whittling down earth's defenses and kind of like being accepted with open arms and then it's like essentially like he builds this life with his family he's now got a son and he's like hey son this is who i really am like together you and i can rule this planet for hundreds of years and mark rejects him and they have this big knockdown drag out fight the dad reveals, like, you know, I never loved your mom. Like, da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Like, these people are ants to us. Like, what are you going to do in 500 years when everyone you know and love is dead? Yeah. Like, there'll be nothing but dust. Who will you have? And Mark, and Mark is like, I would have you. Like, together, yeah. you and I would be the end. No, well, like, when you told me... So, after I finished the book, I was, like... Um, oh, you and I was, tirade. like, rage texting you. Just, like, what the fuck was this? But, like, yeah. so, I was, I was pissed. But when you told me about that... I was like, fuck, like that, that's the kind of stuff that I feel like I really missed from this first volume where it's like, it's like, this was really just like, oh, they're a family with superpowers and this is a really dumb villain that they have to conquer and this mission is really silly. And it's like, when you told me that, I was like, fuck, like, it's like, I almost wish that the last issue in this volume had been like Mark finding out that his dad 
is not who he thinks he is. Because it's like, because coming into this, it just like, again, it moved so fast and it was so just like, there was no depth. And it's like, but everything, when you were telling about that later, like after I finished it, I was like, that is, that's super interesting. Like all of those like elements, that sounds like a great comic. But like this volume was terrible. Um, I think maybe, I know you were kind of saying like, he's just a generic superhero, blah, who cares? Yeah. I think um, it's kind of weird. I would describe this book as a mashup of like Dragon Ball Z uh superman and spider-man yeah you've got marcus you're like spider-man he's like a young teen he's got teen problems balancing you know like growing up family all all these responsibilities girls Girls. exactly and then um and then the dragon ball z element kind of comes in the conquering race like the vitrilamites are essentially saiyans Mm -hmm. they come to a planet none of those words meant anything to me but that's fine and Um. then you've got but but so i think what this book really is is it's robert kirkman just I think because you had kind of said that it was just a sort of shitty knockoff or kind of bland, like, yeah. knockoff of, like, other superhero books. And to me, it's a guy who's writing the book that he would want to read, you know, where it's like you... Yeah. It's like the... It's a sort of loving nod and a wink to the characters and the tropes that he loves. Mm. He sort of discards the tropes that he doesn't like in that, like, when characters die, they generally stay dead. Like, yeah. And you have evolution over time. Right. Um, there's... There's this sort of stuff, and then there's also, like, this... Uh, Characters kind of... generally don't make, like, a 180, like... Right. Well, there's also this, like... I don't know if you noticed this, but um, there's a lot of sitcom references. Like, the vol- the the name of this volume, Volume 1, is Family Matters. Oh. Uh, the high school that Mark Grayson attends yeah. is Reginald Bell Johnson, uh-huh. who is the actor who played the dad, Carl Winslow. Yeah. And the principal is also based on Carl Winslow, the dad from Family Matters. Wow. So each volume of this series has is the name of it, like a sitcom from the, the 80s and 90s. Hmm. And it, so it's like, this is just a book that, this is the book that this guy, Robert Kirkman, would want to read. So I think there's a lot of love there. I definitely grew up reading superheroes, so maybe that's why I'm predisposed to like it and you're sort of predisposed not to like it. Well, I also think but, another element of this comic that I really didn't like and really stood out to me um is that yeah it's definitely written for like teenage boys and i want to just before i go into this rant i want to just say it's like not everything has to be written for everybody like it can be written for an audience and that's okay but i was like very aware while reading this that i am not that audience like it's just kind of like like there was just like a lot of dumb jokes that really, like, did not, like, I didn't think that was funny. You know, it's like it opens up and, like, his mom is like, Mark, like, get out of there. And he's, like, sitting on the toilet. He's like, I'm reading a comic book. And it's just kind of like, this is stupid. I don't know. And then. That was more of a, I feel like you read that wrong as, like, pandering to, like, oh, comic fans read comics on the toilet. No. Which we never do. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, like, it was more just, like. It was, like, how relatable. <laughs> and, like, also, and I, yeah. I, to me, I read that more as, like, an adolescence joke. Like, she's kind of implying that he's in there jerking it. And he's. Was he? Was yeah. She? I don't know. Because she's like, you've been in there a long time. Like. Okay. You're going to hurt yourself or something like that. There's some yes. line to that effect. Yeah. And he's like, I'm reading a comic book. But even like, that is just kind of like, what? Like, whose mother, like, is like, stop masturbating. Like, it's time for you to go to school. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, that, see, do you see what I'm talking about, though? And then also it's like, 
Um, his relationship, so the main sort of love interest, at least in this volume, is um, a member of the teen team. Her name is Eve. Adam, Adam Eve. Because she can manipulate matter. Right. Yeah. Adam, A-T-O-M. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's just, the his interactions with her and how she is, is all, it feels like super just, not pandery, but like lame. It feels like an algorithm for teenage boys. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because again, it's like, sounds like you're okay. something's wrong with that. No, it's like it can be written for a specific audience and that's fine, but it's just like I'm just not that audience and I think that, that probably contributed to like why I just didn't like this. And also, yeah, it's just like the the mom, like the two female characters in this book, the mom and Eve, like they're pretty one-dimensional. They're just like not very interesting. Um the stuff that he does, it felt like a daydream that a 12-year-old boy would have about becoming a superhero. Where it's like, the first thing he does is he, like, walks out onto his roof, and he's like, he's like, okay, well, you know, if I'm a superhero, I should be able to fly, and he, like, jumps off his roof. He's like, oh my god, I can fly. You know, it's just, like, stupid shit that but you're, like... But what would you do? If you, like, if you were gonna inherit your father's powers, and then you had super strength, you're like, okay, I got super strength, and you're like, I think I can fly now? Yeah. You wouldn't try it? No, but I mean, yes, but also it's just like the way that he, the way that it was written and the way that it was done, it, it felt very like, you know what actually it felt like? Okay, I, you might not get this reference because um, you did not have the Disney Channel growing up, but there was a period of time in the early 2000s where Disney Channel had like a handful of movies about kids who would find out that they were some variety of, like, magical thing. Like, it was just, like, in a post-Harry Potter world, it was, like, you hit puberty and you are given the keys to some kind of kingdom. The one that comes to mind is Luck of the Irish, where this kid finds out that he's a leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. It was not great. I think there's another like, one where he finds... Was the fact finds... that he was a foot tall and, like, had, like, shocking no. <laughs> red hair, was that not a giveaway? No, but it's, like, it's also, like, there's another one, I forget what it's called, but he, like, finds out that he's, like, a merman. The only scene that I remember from that one is where he, like, he just gets really, like... He's a swimmer, right? He's a swimmer, yeah. and he gets really thirsty, and he's, like, drinking from the fountain, and there's, like, a line, like, around the block around like behind him but it's like that this vault this book like gave me that kind of similar vibe where it's just kind of like teenage boy like disney channel one of his parents is something crazy and he's half that and now he's discovering it and doing dumb stuff in the process this actually this could have been a disney channel original movie from the early 2000s i feel like you're trying to get back at me for my robin williams crack uh, <laughs> I had forgotten about that, yeah. but thank you for bringing that up, and I'm never going to forgive you, so no. let's quickly move on. I I will grant that maybe it could have moved a little faster, or they could have planted some seeds of doubt about the dad, but honestly, like, yeah. I, I don't think it was written for primarily for adolescent boys. I think that that's his... Sensibility? I, sensibility. Maybe. I think that that's where he's just coming from. Like, I think it's true to the point where you were saying it's like he wrote this, I think, as something that he would enjoy. Yeah, I think he's a really funny guy. I think there were a lot of funny visual gags in there. Um, using just the medium of comics for, like, repeating panels and, like, sort of playing on commonly held tropes in superheroes. Like Yeah. And I... Like, they devote, like, three pages to him picking out a costume. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like... But I like that, too. I, I like that because it's like... That character, Art, the costume maker, yeah, he's essentially like the in, in uh, Incredibles. Yes. 
And he plays a part because he also is betrayed by Invincible's dad. They've been friends for decades. They're cool. And then all of a sudden it's like, what? This guy was just lying to me? Mm. What? Like, it, yeah. I don't know. I think the fact that this book, whether you like it or not, I think the fact that there have been so many attempts to recreate the Spider-Man formula mm -hmm. of the sort of young teenage hero who is destined to become a great hero and he's, you Which know, is crazy because that seems like such an easy formula to copy. Like, that right. seems so but straightforward. how many of those have survived? Not many, mm. really. It's like, I'm trying to think of like... There was, like, Marvel tried to do it in the early 2000s with a hero called Gravity. Yeah. You know, there was, in the 70s, they tried it with Nova. Maybe that was the 80s. But it, like, they've tried to recreate their Spider-Man formula because, obviously, that's a formula that sells. And it's like, this is a character who's who lasted for 14 years, told, a like, a long, compelling story, and then the creator ended it. My only thing, though, is... And I, I kept thinking about this, too, because, like, so one thing that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like, seven issues. That's seven months. And I'm just like, this is a lot to put up with for seven months. I would have dropped I will, off this book immediately. I will concede your point. I will say that, yes, it was a long, like, it maybe was a little slow to start, but I think that comes down to preference. It's, well, a, it's a long time for you, but for someone like me who's, like, kind of seen this other, the sort of flip side of superheroes that you never get to see the picking out the names, the picking out the costumes. The... But also, what I was going to say is, like, how much does that have to do with, like, um, what's his name? Kirkman, the guy who did yeah. Walking Dead? Because he would have already done Walking Dead. So it's like, how much of this is star power? I think this was actually before Walking Dead. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. He had a few series before this that were kind of the same vein of, like, teen hero, kind of like, there's Tech Jacket where he's, like, actually a robot. Um, tech Jacket. He did Battle Pope, which was a superhero parody. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, a alcoholic... Uh, nymphomaniac cigar smoking pope in like a post-apocalyptic world now starring but, jude law on hbo i think actually <laughs> it might it might start nick nolte as the battle <laughs> but, like, um, but I, I don't know i think that this is a formula that works i think that for someone like me who enjoys like kind of like the we're like oh yeah when do superheroes pick out their names like why, like, wouldn't your classmate recognize you if you're not even wearing a mask? You know, yeah. like, stuff like that. Like, these are the kind of things that he kind of addresses. And, like, the fact that his friend... Actually, I don't know if it happens at this one. I really did read a lot of Invincible after we finished this trade. Yeah. But his friend, like, when he finds out, is like, will you, you know... And then the next panel is them, like, flying in the sky, and his friend is just like, yay! <laughs> like, just, like... It's, yeah, there's Which, like... Which, yeah, I guess, like, yeah. But, but I totally see your point. It's like, if you are not into superheroes and yeah. you're like, what, Blah, you know. Because it's, yeah, it, I mean, because we, we definitely talked about it after, like, I read it just because I was just, you know, you know. Very hateful. I was, you were uh, very hateful. You, I was there on a roll, things... I was on a 1 a.m. text yeah. rant roll, like, just, like. Yeah. I yeah. personally, like, I think it holds up. Maybe we'll try later volumes later, further down the road. Um, they mm -hmm. actually announced, Amazon uh, announced in 2018 that they were going to make an animated series out of this, uh, an eight-issue animated series, eight-episode animated series. Uh, and so I'm curious, you know, maybe we'll give it another shot. I definitely think, like, my main beef with this uh, trade is I'm not crazy about the art. Oh, um, I hated the art. The artist is a guy named Corey Walker. I actually do like his style. Yeah. But I think that um, 
it doesn't quite work for this. Everybody kind of just looks like they're heavily medicated. Yeah, There's it's a, lazy. It's lazy drawing. I don't know if I'd go... I don't know if I... I don't want to make a judgment about whether he's a lazy person or not. He, he just uses two dots for eyes at some point. Like, you can just tell that he, like, just kind of dropped off. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like... Maybe. I. It's hard for me to to um devalue his contributions to the book because he co-created this character with robert kirkman when they were living together yeah and he's responsible for a lot of the design but i don't think the series really takes off until the next artist ryan otley who then he runs with it pretty much till the end of the series and it uh and that's where like things get hyper violent like there's a lot more expression there's a lot more like it's still colorful and fun but it's i just i really like ryan otley I definitely, yeah, I definitely didn't jive with the artwork. He, his, uh, his style seemed like it would be better suited to, like, a single, like, a, like, a pinup or a cover or, like, something like that where it's, like, because I just think that moving it along, like, having it be, like, this in sequential format, it just was, like, really just, like, quick and sloppy and it did, it was not engaging or interesting. Um... Yeah, like I said, I it fell a little flat for me. I do like his uh, on Instagram for a while. He was doing like redesigns of uh, like superheroes. Mm-hmm. He kind of redesigned a cool Supergirl. It's just I think he's got a really good design sense. I just like I don't think this book took off until the second artist came on. Yeah. And, like, um, Which again is crazy. It's almost a year after it's released. eight issues. Yeah. Yeah, like. But it spoke to something because that artist was like living in his parents' basement with his wife. And after oh. about four issues, after about four issues on this, but he had been fired from a warehouse job. Yeah. Four issues on this, and he was able to move into an apartment and eventually a home. And now he's working on Amazing Spider-Man for Marvel. That's pretty cool. How did he get discovered? Uh, Robert Kirkman found him on a website, I believe, called Pencil Jack. Okay. It's just like an artist forum. For, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I actually went and looked it up online when yeah. I was researching this podcast. It is very janky. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh. Because I was like, ooh, Pencil Jack, maybe I'll, you know, it's I like, like to draw. It's like one step up from, like, DeviantArt. Although he actually DeviantArt has a great like DeviantArt. Yeah. He's got a great DeviantArt. Yeah. DeviantArt was, like, where young Hana first went on the internet to discover fan art. I was like, oh my gosh, this whole You're talking, like, this. erotic Harry Potter fan fiction? No. I was just like, I like drawing, and I want to learn how to draw. And so I was like, oh, DeviantArt. DeviantArt is so funny to me because, like, it has legitimately talented artists yeah. on it. Lots of them. And then it also has, like, really, really bad artists. And then it's got, like, a ton of just, like weird erotic stuff on it oh, that you're yeah. like okay there's a dark hole to deviant art yeah. like also but i mean i think that's just like any internet art forum where it's like you see that on Fair. instagram all the time especially okay. there's this really popular art tag on instagram it's like um draw it in your style and yeah. that is sometimes just like yeah. Ha, ha. <laughs> yeah so again the art yeah it's kind of whatever but the writing you may not, you didn't really care for it, but I yeah. think it, it's hard to argue that Rog, Robert Kirkman isn't a really good writer. I mean, he, he created The Walking Dead, which that alone has run for, I think, a little less than 150 issues. I've never read The Walking Dead, but I love the show. I I mean, I definitely fell off. I forget which season I stopped watching, but I The Walking Dead is a great like show. season 20 now or That's something. That's something I would love to read for the podcast. Like Oh, we will, for sure. Because yeah. the, the first trade also has my... Um, my, one of my favorite artists of all time, Tony Moore. Mm. It might be kind of interesting because they also do another uh, 
artists switch after about like six issues. Oh, interesting. And so maybe we should read two trades because it would be kind of interesting, I think, to compare yeah. and contrast. Because the artists they brought on afterwards, I wasn't a big fan of, but I was the writing was so compelling, I was able to keep going with it. And I followed that series also for a really long time until Robert Kirkman really burned me, man. <laughs> he really burned me. On what? He's got a habit. It's funny, um, but it, it and it works in some cases, but they use repeating panels yeah. a lot to show sort of play with the passage of time in comics. And I remember I bought the latest issue of Walking Dead. I believe it was volume 15. Yeah. And Rick had, you know, he was like feverish. I think he'd lost his hand. He's like laying in this abandoned house with Carl. And it's like the fever is like, is he going to make it or not? And I mean, that series, anybody could die at any time. So yeah. you're really like, oh, shit, is he going to die? And they did this thing where it was like multiple pages where it was like the exterior shot of the house. Same panels like day, night, day, <laughs> night day night and like you turn the page and then it's like full page spread of rick like with his eyes open like yeah and i remember i read that trade in under five minutes i bought it at the comic shop i sat at the bus stop and i was like oh i'll be able to read this but probably by the time i get to school it'll yeah. be it'll i'll be done with it it did not last me five minutes and i was so mad because i had spent about twenty dollars well on that's it. the thing it's like a trade yeah the Comic book trades are, like, pretty expensive. and like, So I mentioned, yeah, I was like, with this, I probably read it in, like, what, like, 30 or 40 minutes. But, yeah, that's a good hour of entertainment, depending on, like, how fast you read and how in-depth you get into the panels, like, that you're, as you're reading it. But, like... Five minutes, I was... That's and, insane. Yeah. And I was very upset because <laughs> at the time, you know, I was a student and I was not flush with cash. Yeah. I, so I was kind of like... <laughs> You bastard. I now have to sit on the... This is before I had a smartphone. This is before I... Like, I didn't have a... Uh... dark ages. I actually asked my parents about that the other night. I was like, what did you guys do before, like, you couldn't look shit up on your phone? So, like, we just didn't know. We just had to not know. Yeah, I, can't, I bet it would lead to some really interesting conversations and debate. And it's like, I bet there would be a lot of, like, no, you're wrong. Like, people taking yeah. sides, you know? And then it's like... Neither one of you guys know. Well, they anything. they actually kind of they kind of talked about that a little bit where they're like you were just sort of stuck in your own opinion and you had no idea whether it was correct or incorrect and so you just kind of dug in and just sort of like left it at that and like yeah. I feel like nowadays, or at least our personal mm -hmm. game, maybe I'm maybe this is one sided, but it's like <laughs> the like, personal game that I don't know about that you're just. <laughs> Yes, Justin. Well, Go on. Tell me. Is like you're sitting at the the table and someone wonders something. Oh yeah. And then you're like, huh? Someone should look that up. And then we kind of look at each other. And we're like, yes. <laughs> someone someone should look, that someone up. Should look mm -hmm. this up. Obviously, I have a better reason for not looking it up because I'm afraid to look at your phone. Why? Because it oh, might because be like you're gonna die. <laughs> and then you feel overwhelming gratitude for all that you have, and you will welcome death as a friend. Um, well, I'm not gonna go that far. I'm not ready to die. I love my life. Good to know. This got really dark. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm <not> really spiral. <laughs> what is mortality? What is death? Yeah. So I like Robert Kirkman, even though he burned me really badly. I I want to read more of his stuff, despite um, my first introduction to him through uh this trash pile boo um. boo <laughs> this is formative stuff for me huh? i don't know i i uh, it mm, and actually i didn't you know wonder what? that you know what? Oh, what you can't have it both ways yeah Forget. you dragged your feet on this because you're like oh standard superhero fair yes because it's like 
Yeah. I was all in. I went back to the library like two days later and got the next hardcover of this. I know. Well, so that's what I was going to say. It's really good. While I... (laughs) It's so good. No. While I was reading it, I was like, well, you know, he did mention that he liked this in high school. Maybe it's a thing of the past. But then I remembered that you had just like binge read like the entire like series. I I still... I'm going to go back and get three and four and Uh... it's like... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was just like... The one thing that I did find, like, really interesting in this book is the concept of, like, the superhero family, because I do feel like that is, like, not a super common trope. You see what I did there? Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's like Fantastic Four. Incredibles. I think there was, like, a a sitcom that did not do well. The Bat Family. The Bat Family? Yeah, Batman, Robin, the other Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, the other Batgirl, Alfred. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The dog, Ace. The bat hound. <laughs> is, that, is that real? Yeah. Oh my god, I want a comic just about the bat hound. Oh my I god, don't know. the bat hound. <laughs> I mean, Superman, he's got his, you know, John and Martha Kent and all that jazz. No, but I mean, like, uh, a family that, like, fights crime together. That actively fights crime together. So, like, so very much like the Incredibles. Yeah, because even the Fantastic Four are, like... They're, like, explorers, I was gonna say, and they're also, like, a quote-unquote family in, like, the loosest sense. They're not, like, it's not, like, two parents and their children. It's, like, they're... Ah, but it is two parents and their children, and then a brother-in-law, and then, like, an old college friend. So that's, like, a family. Wait, really? Yeah, they got Franklin and Valeria as their kids. Johnny Storm is Sue Storm's brother. Right. Sue Storm is married to Reed Richards. Right. And Reed Richards' old college roommate is Ben Grimm, so... They are a family. I don't know. I don't know anything about superhero. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've established my street cred here. Oh, God. You can find Comic Bay at the This is just what this podcast is for, is you establishing comic books. I'm actually, day. like, no, but um, I just had to double down on my comic cred because I'm actually blanking on more superhero family. Ah! The Shazam, the Captain Marvel family. I feel like you're falling into a comic, or into a common nerd boy trap where you you're like let me show how much i know about this very niche specific subject and i need to stop you right there i know i I can't help it right there i I feel like one of the like remember your training come back out of the darkness i feel like (laughs) comic book nerds are these like people who have spent their lives memorizing pointless trivia and so they can't help but spurt it out and I don't so it's think like that's if comic you book oh, nerds. I think this is nerds in general. Fair. If people yes. just find a thing that they are like really into and then they just kind of like double down on it and it's like you don't know anything about it, then it's like you are like you lose respect, you lose like this is a this is my problem with the comic book industry actually and the video game industry just because they're like f- like communities that I am not a part of, but I like Oh, you're on the outside looking in. Yes, but it sucks because it's like everybody that like I work like, I work at Twitch. It's all about video games. And I and everyone's like, games! And I'm just like, I don't play any video games, but I'm really good at my job like But you that. also play video games. You play Stardew Valley. Does that even count? I would say no, but... I feel like the... it's, like, one step up from, like, Farmville. I feel like I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm a, I'm a Nintendo Switch away from being, like, a maiden aunt like playing. spending your money on yeah, facebook being like, like i use my credit card i need to buy, buy more cows <laughs> like i'm like one step away from that 
I don't, so anyway, doubling back, I do really like the concept of like the superhero family. I think it's really interesting. I myself would not want to be part of a superhero family. I feel like that would get really complicated really quickly. Also, I like power and control. So obviously I would want to be the only one with the powers, but that's just me. If you were a superhero, would you tell your family? <sighs> no. Because then I could fuck with them (laughs) without them knowing. It depends on what my power is. What's my power? You choose. I'm going to go telekinesis. Telekinesis? All day, every day. Okay, so moving objects with your mind. Yeah. Is there an... Okay, let's put a reasonable limit on it. Okay. You can lift a small car. Is your max. My max? Yeah. That's a lot of, like... I mean, I guess it's fine. Can I lift my own body? Like, can I fly? Oh, well, you, yeah, do you weigh yeah, more than a car? Well, yeah, so. You know, on some days. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Then, no, I would not tell my family because I would definitely use that to fuck with them. I would pretend that we were haunted by, like, a poltergeist, and I would just, like, I would scare the shit out of you. <laughs> wow, I just learned how twisted you are. The, um, the slightest bit of power went to your head. And I would be like, Justin, I hate this apartment and we should move. And you'd be like, I love this apartment. It's fine. And then yeah. I and then I would I would enact Operation Poltergeist. You'd be like, oh, there's been an earthquake. Look at these cracks forming in the wall. It's not safe. And then, yeah. So you wouldn't even tell me? No. I... You wouldn't even tell me? <laughs> Wait, yeah. I take it back. Uh, uh... Wait a minute. I just put that together. It's like, if you're trying to trick me into thinking there's a poltergeist, then I don't know about your abilities. Wow. Maybe this is me telling you. Maybe I've waited this whole time to tell you finally. Can't. Would you tell me? What would yours be? My superpower? Yeah. Hmm. I do. I wouldn't want. Um, man, that is a tough one. Yeah. Um, I know. Sorry to put you on the spot. I sometimes I would thought I used to think I would want teleportation, but then I was like, man, I would be so lazy mm. if I never had to like walk anywhere. Yeah. And that's another problem with telekinesis. If you never had to get up to get something. True. Well then, but it's like, would you be burning energy just by teleporting? Because then it could kind of even out. Man, okay, I know what my superpower is, and this okay. is like a weird one, but I would want the ability, like, the, like, the more unhealthy the meal. You already mentioned yeah, this. Yeah, the uh, more unhealthy the meal. You just want to be fueled by spam musubi. Exactly. <laughs> the stronger and more powerful I get, so it's like, my God, he's like, he ran three <laughs> marathons in a row, and like, he ate only spam musubi. <laughs> And, like, deep-fried something. I was going to say, I was like, deep-fried what? I was like, what's your poison going to be? Twinkies. No, I don't even like Twinkies that much. Although, it's like, when you said deep-fried, my first thought was, like, a corn dog, and I was very healthy. Yeah, see? The more unhealthy I eat, the more fit I get. That would be my my power. So, I have a question for you. Because I feel like, yes, it's fun to theorize about, like, what powers we might have. But, I'd like to play a little game of Would You Rather. Oh, okay. Yeah. And would you rather be able to fly, but you had to flap your arms <laughs> to do it, or you can run more than 80 miles per hour, Okay. but you have to do it on all fours? <laughs> so, <laughs> Damn it. Um... I'm going to go flying, flapping my arms because I feel like that looks less silly and also flying. So, yes. Okay. What about you? I think I have to go running. Really? <laughs> yeah, because what if your arms get tired and you fall? 
Well, then no, you plan for that. You feel your... What are you talking about? You feel your arms getting tired. You're like, oh, maybe I should land. You're like, what? Like I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's hard because, yeah, like, you would look so silly running like that. But also, can you imagine... your arms would be so fucking, like... But can you imagine just being like, I'll be there in five minutes, and then you just fucking jam on your No, that would look so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> like, no. I bet here's the thing, is it would look so stupid, but it would feel so cool. You'd be like, what? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to still go. Call me the human cheetah. I'm going flapping arms, mm. flying. It, even still, that would look really dumb. We're like, and I'm off. <laughs> like, and it's like flapping your arms I think, as you like shoot into the sky. But I think yeah. in this scenario, if I had either one of these superpowers, I probably wouldn't tell you just because of how wow. stupid it would look. I'd be like, I'd never you wanted to see me like that. Oh, Don't wouldn't. play that game with me, Miss. Like, oh, it's a poltergeist. <laughs> Golly, we better move. <laughs> well, you know, just saying. Okay, uh, you know what time it is. Daylight saving time? Or did you mean... Beyond the panel! When is daylight savings time? I don't know. <laughs> so this week, our Beyond the Panel is... We watched The Image Revolution. This week, we read an image book. And um, there was sort of a comic book news drought, or at least there was nothing that came out that we really cared about. So I went back and I suggested an old documentary from 2014 about the founding of Image Comics. Mm -hmm. uh, Image Comics, just to give you a brief overview, is kind of cool because they are completely creator-owned. They don't own any of the properties that they publish, the only thing they own is the image logo. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what you do is you come to them with a comic pitch. If they like it, if they think you're reliable and you can make sales, they publish it for you and you don't make any money until they make back their printing costs. So essentially, if your book is successful, you can make a bunch of money. Um, they they don't have any stake in your property, so you're free to shop it around to Hollywood. You can try to get it turned into a TV show. You own everything. You're in complete control. Uh, there is They offer the same deal for a new creator as they would to an old creator or like an established creator. So mm -hmm. it's kind of cool in that regard where it's a very even playing field, and it's like there isn't another comic. Comics have a long history of screwing over creators, and this is the first company that was created by artists. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. They've they've weathered a lot of storms. And it's it was an interesting documentary. What did you think of it? I thought it was really interesting. I only fell asleep once. No, I'm just kidding. It was actually, like, it was interesting. I liked it a lot. I wanted to say, like, I did like it, and it was good. But it was, like, also one of those documentaries that felt a lot like King of Kong, where it's like, the stakes have never been lower. And they're talking about, they're like, we were rock stars. And they were like, <laughs> though. You saw those lines like I mean, out yes. the door. Like it's like that. That was crazy, and it was like really cool. But I Hana, feel like they were Rob Liefeld, were... a comic artist, was paying people by buying them sports cars on top of the money, on top of the five-figure royalty checks that he was paying. It them. was like kind of insane, but also at the same time, it was funny because they it made him seem like people were like yeah, they were like the bad boys of comics, and it's just kind of like oh. Sweet yeah, they so, all like, look, they're kind of dweeby and dorky. Yeah, and like, they're in their, like, jean jackets. They're, like, early 90s mullets. Um, it was really interesting, though, because I do love Image as a brand. Like, I feel like it's, like, the HBO of comic books, where it's, like, if I see an Image decal on a book, I am, like, 75% more likely to buy it. 
just because Saga, which is, like, one of my favorite comics of all time, um, we had had a previous podcast episode on that one, it's, like, it, it is an image book, um, it just, they, they produce good shit, like, they're just interesting, and I like that they're outside of the realm of the traditional, like, Marvel, DC, sort of, like, superhero universes. Sure, sure, yeah, they, um, so essentially, if I can take you back in time to the late 80s, early 90s, uh, Marvel and DC were the top two companies, really the only game in town. Um, they weren't really paying their creators very well. They were using all of their artwork to like merchandise and they were making money hand over fist. And so essentially seven of the top creators of the time, people who were selling books in the millions, yeah. people who were, you know, I think responsible for 44 of the 50 top selling books mm-hmm. in any given year. Yeah. They all left at one time. They quit Marvel then they walked over to DC and they're like, hey, we're not here to work for you. We're just here to tell you that we're not working for you either. And then they yeah. went away and they formed their own company. And essentially, a lot of them kind of just did uh, books that were similar to the successful titles that they were already working on. Right. They were definitely like knockoffs of like um, stuff X-Force that was X-Force and, right. and, like, and X-Men and these sorts of things. It was essentially like they had like a book that was like very much like Spider-Man, like X-Men, but it was all like these kind of like different sort of versions. Of yeah. And so they, they end up, they're superstars. The, the main two companies hate them or trying to do everything they can to kind of take them down, trying to do everything they can to rip them off and cre- like recreate their success. And... Um, these books are very standard sort of, um, you know, superhero violent of the time. And then the comic book market kind of crashes. And Jim Valentino, one of the founders who had a, a past in indie comic books, he kind of takes the helm and he starts steering them more in a book of like, or more in a direction of, hey, like, let's try, like, let's get outside the genre of capes and tights and let's try weird, interesting little stories and so I think that's where Image has really come into its own and become a force to be reckoned with. It's still not as big as Marvel or DC, but, I mean, Walking Dead and Saga are not superhero books, and they are two of the highest-selling comic books in the last 20, if not 30 years. You right, know? and I think that another thing, too, it's like Image seems to go outside of sort of like the comic book fan like I feel like they make stuff that's accessible for people who are like me who are like comic adjacent fans yeah and honestly it's a it's a if you are interested in movies and television there's a pretty good chance that you're watching an adaptation of an image series so I I think it's a really compelling documentary especially for someone like me who like you see a bunch of weirdos and kind of like shut-ins who are like I don't know, just talking comics. And so for me, that, that kind of... It was actually, like, really inspiring because it the way they talk about it, it sounds like they all just kind of, like, just bumbled their way into being super successful. I don't want to... I, I don't think they bumbled their way in, We're just yeah. kind of, like, they just showed up and they were like, oh, yeah, whatever, I do comics, here I am. I think they And then de- people were like, oh, we want to hire you. Like They definitely captured lightning in a bottle. Yeah. They, it will be hard to recreate that success that level of success but i i think that um yeah they hard workers um creative people yeah and it's funny because like a lot of these dudes the 90s is sort of seen as a dark period in comics because of the you know just kind of like hyper masculine art very exaggerated features gritty bloody not like low substance storytelling and these guys right (laughs) yeah todd McFarlane, image co-founder and like they get a lot of flack for that, 
But I think people forget that, like, they, like, a lot of the reason the 90s is seen as such a dark time is because these two companies, Marvel and DC, are trying to recreate their success. Right. So all of their artists have to look like these guys, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't quite work, and their storytelling has to kind of be like these guys, and it's like, it just, like, these guys themselves, whether you think they're good writers or not, they were dynamic artists, and... They sold themselves well, and they really paved the way for other people to have success with better stories, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they kind of opened the floodgates, and I think that in a, in a medium like comics where there's a long history of tragedies, people getting ripped off, robbed blind, dying penniless in pauper's graves. I mean, the co-creator of Batman died in a pauper's gra- in an Which unmarked grave yeah. outside of New York City. Batman! How much money has Batman raked in over the years? Yeah. Like, it's like I don't know. I just I admire these guys so much, and I yeah. I'm I'm glad you like the documentary. Yeah, it was really good, and I think that even if you're not a fan of comics, it's still just like a really compelling story. It's just really interesting. It is very much like an underdog story, and it's just like they just keep succeeding. Like, are they just you're like waiting for shit to like go south, and there is a point where like. Um, one of the founders like does kind of like leave and you know there is some bad blood but aside from that it's like they just keep fucking succeeding and it's crazy like I feel like you just never see stories like that and so yeah I really liked it I thought it was really good okay well that has been our episode for this week um for oh yeah as you guys have noticed we haven't like been consistent and it's because we have switched up to doing bi-weekly releases. So Comic Bay is now going to be a bi-weekly podcast. So we'll Every be coming, two weeks, baby. We'll be coming into your ear. Oh. <laughs> 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 we will be transmitting into your ear holes every <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> Next week we're reading... Um, Scott Pilgrim, which I'm super stoked about. Volumes I, one through three. Yes. Well, <laughs> I mean, we'll definitely broaden it out. But okay. um, so we'll be coming at you two weeks from now with some Scott Pilgrim goodness. Pick it up at your local library or the nearest comic book shop. Uh, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at, at Comic Bay Podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye. Sign out.